Hello world, this is America's Supermom, and this is a special edition that I call the Corona Chronicles. During this time, we are suffering from a pandemic that is affecting everyone across the world. We are joined with the um, rules and regulations of uh, being shelter in place, which means we are limited with the ability to go about our daily business, confined to our homes based on a coronavirus that has been sweeping the entire world. Um, for some people, the effects could be mild. Uh, for others, it can be fatal. So we are coming together as um, a community, as uh, a family during this time of difficulty to share what it is like um, in our part of the world, how we are affected, and the things that we have in common, what kind of problems that um, are taking place in our industries and in our relationships and finances, and coming together so that we can um, plan for a better tomorrow. As this epidemic or pandemic um, crosses the world, you know, we are waiting for um, relief. We're waiting for the virus to um, die off and uh, for us to go back to some state of normalcy, whatever that may be, um, after um, things kind of settle down. So what is that going to look like once the dust settles? You know, how are things going to be different? So as we go through this um, process, we're coming together as a world to create ideas, strategies, connect in ways that we have never connected before. So that is the purpose of the special podcast that I call the Corona Chronicles so that we can get some insight and have empathy and compassion on one another create new innovative ideas that can not only improve our life but our fellow brothers and sisters across the world thank you so much for joining us hello 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 michelle how are you i am well so nice to connect uh, you know what i didn't even realize that it was a holiday so i really appreciate you taking this time out on the holiday to record this interview. <laughs> but your whole, hang one second, one second, I just dropped my head. Okay. Do you want to reschedule it since it is the holiday? Uh, I'm fine. It's up to you. I'd leave that option up to you. Oh, no, I, I'm fine. I just, okay. I felt bad. That... <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know what? I didn't even realize that just goes to show you how much I have just been having my head into my work. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a it's a great time. Matter of fact, my kids are still asleep, so this is great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Less interruptions, okay? Are they all home? Uh, we actually have 10 of them that are here. And uh -huh. then I have older children that, you know, have their own place and then... Um, one of our daughters who lives uh, on her own, she's here. 
she uh, spent the night last night with her son. So it's it's been good. You know, we are gradually transitioning to, you know, um, leaving home and doing other things, which we haven't started yet. I'm thinking we're probably going to do it in the next uh, week or so uh, because we are in Georgia. So we were one of the first places that opened up. Right. And uh, we How's- still have just been sheltered in place, just going to the store and to the gas station and occasionally to um, UPS, but outside of that, nothing else. So are you feeling safe? I think, you know, I don't watch the news. (laughs) So I have a totally different perspective. And um, I do realize that I am fearful to kind of explore going out. But um, at the same time, you know, it's like I really don't want to live in fear, which is why, you know, we're still kind of sheltered in place, even though we really may not have the need to go out and do too much. We have, you know, some children who are in their 20s that, you know, their life has literally come to a halt. Right. You know, they're not hanging out with their friends. The friends aren't coming over here. And so I'm very trepidatious about saying, okay, guys, you guys can go out and be with your friends because I am not really comfortable really to 100% on how that scenario is going to play out. You know what I'm saying? So that's the only thing. And you you can say stay, you know, stay six. I always tell them stay 10 feet away from people, but you don't know what's going to happen and. Mm-hmm. Youth will be youth. They're invincible. Mm-hmm. But they can bring it home to you. So true. And then, you know, we have nine other kids or eight other the kids right. who may be still sheltered in place to some extent. So I think we're definitely going to, you know, uh, explain to them what that dynamic is going to look like. Because, you know, my husband, he works uh, for Amazon. Uh, So he still goes to work and his uh, nighttime routine when he gets home is, you know, he doesn't embrace anybody. He comes straight home, takes all of his uh, clothing off, anything associated with being at work, certain things he keeps in his car, he doesn't even bring in. His shoes are a different part of the house and he showers and everything. So to really kind of have them conscious I mean we kind of have that kind of philosophy just when we go to the store which is you know yes uh so it's somewhat of a routine for the kids but I'm just you know we just going to have to be very vigilant about hey you know guys this is um you know how it's going to have to be until we are you know in a place to where it is more of a subconscious habit right until you know so I think that's pretty much it, you know, but in terms of them being conscious of wearing a mask and gloves when they go out, that's key. But I think it's just the whole thing of uh, relaxing and feeling like you can be with your friends. I mean, it's like, really, you know, you want to go and connect with people, but if you're not socially distant, then, you know, that connection is around a mask and gloves. And how much of a connection is that? Right. You know what I mean? You can't breathe in your mask. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're not comfortable, you know, right. so I don't know. And it's yeah. always a party at I your house, know. right? They might as well stay home. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have been doing all kinds of stuff, making videos and, <laughs> you know, all kinds of things have just been going I on bet. here. I um, bet. Yeah. I was driving mm-hmm. down the road. I live in a very small town. And I was driving home the other day, and there's a sort of a little community center, and mm-hmm. it has a you know a decent sized parking lot. And I saw six cars in a big circle. They were all backed in, and every mm-hmm. car was about ten foot from every other car. But this you know across the circle is probably thirty feet or something. And it was a mm-hmm. bunch of teenagers, and they were each sitting either in the trunk or the hatchback of their car. And you were sitting on the back bumper or whatever talking, but their, their rule was, I don't know who figured this out, but their rule is stay in contact with your car. If you stay in contact with your car and we park this far away. So they, they meet every week. It's the cutest thing. I took a picture. I'm going to send it out with my new blog because it's just somebody was smart and they get to socialize and they don't have masks on, but they're really far away from each other, you know? Yeah. That that's one of the things that we're entertaining doing for uh, my daughter who is um, turning 24 on June 7th. Mm. So we we have like 10 acres and we're entertaining, you know, having a car party. Yeah. So everybody, we have plenty of room for them to park their car on the yard, and you know, we um, my son is a DJ, so we have speakers and ways that we can have music that can nice be in the area yeah Yeah. and disposable we have takeout boxes where the food is already prepped you know where you know you don't have to even prepare the food it's not sitting out no one has to serve everybody everybody already has a takeout thing everything's disposable so yeah that's what we're working i want to say herber that should be a videotape Make make yeah, sure somebody takes a movie of that. That that's a Facebook yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you know, I mean, I think this whole thing of thinking that, you know, there's only so long that you can go um, without that connection. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and just for you feel like you're in another world when you're in quarantine. You do. Oh, yeah, you have Zoom and all this stuff, but. It's like, um, I, like I said, I don't watch the news. So my reality about, you know, I'm a hugger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I'm to see somebody, that's the first thing I want to yes. do. I'm able to do that every morning with my kids. And uh, you still need that element of a connection with people to, you know, stay in some state of reality and normality. Right. Absolutely. You know? I have only one kid, mm-hmm. but... Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a hugger, too. And last week he started he finished his first year of college and he started his full time job. He's working as an EMT mm-hmm. on the ambulance. Oh, my daughter did that. For and so he's quarantined. He's living in a tent in the backyard. Yeah. And it's I'm like, I don't know if I can go all summer without touching him. You know, your kid. You have right. to touch him. I mean, I do. But we're just kind of, I'm, I'm still working. I see clients and I have ethically, I don't know if I can see them. Even though I, I see them outside. I see them in person, but outdoors. So we're pretty far apart. But I don't know if I'm exposed mm-hmm. to my son, if I could really have clients coming, right. you know. So mm-hmm. anyway, so every, every week it's That's a new good. thing to think about. 
try to figure out how to live your life. Right? Yeah. So true. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, you know, introduce everybody to who you are and um, what it is that you do. Uh, I know we're connected through the summit through April and I'm really excited for us to have a dialogue because, you know, as we just discussed <coughs> here um, right now, you know, the whole thing is, you know, living life through quarantine. I think a lot of times we kind of feel like quarantine is another world and, you know, there's other things, moving parts that are going on outside of our home, so to speak, that affect, affect everyone. So um, I'm really excited to have this dialogue. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you and your client work and things like that before we really dive into some other topics. Okay. So you'll introduce me, though. Michelle, I don't need to say my name. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you can go ahead and say okay. your name. That's fine. Yeah. I'm a Lane friend, and I am a psychotherapist in Northern California, so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. But I have this, this special niche specialty that I love to work with, and that is people who have the trait of high sensitivity. So that's one out of five people, and we can talk a little bit more about what that is. But because I've mm-hmm. become a an international consultant on high sensitivity, I work with people all over the world now. And I do that through my webinars. I have live Q&A webinars twice a month. And I am a 55-year-old introvert YouTuber. I have a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and I put videos up. So I, I never in a million years would have thought that would be me, but I'm trying to get my message out and help people. <laughs> yes. It's amazing how technology will get you out of your comfort zone. It really is. And, you know, with the quarantine that we're in right now, it's I've been so much more time on video. I thought I, I usually would be teaching a retreat. I would have taught already two retreats this spring in person and they were canceled so I thought how do I mm-hmm. how do I reach people and help people use the tools I have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that and so this is so key because a lot of people are going through this whole thing of what they're used to is not really a reality anymore you know or temporarily we don't know if it's gonna go back to uh, what we've known before this pandemic so explain to us, you know, your thought process, how you had to kind of overcome this comfort zone in order to make that transition to YouTube. Oh, that's a very good question. It's funny because I, I have a a colleague, I would call her a mentor and she does a twice a month Mm -hmm. webinar Q and a for parents. Her name is Susan Stiffelman and she wrote the book parenting without power struggles. And I, mm-hmm. I was a special guest on one of her webinars, and um, I so we did a lot of phone conversations, and I was astounded that she was reaching so many more people. I was sitting, I do equine-assisted psychotherapy as well as regular therapy on the phone or Zoom or one day again, maybe in an office, and uh, you know, one person at a time or one family at a time, and I thought, I've been doing this for 25 years. I'd like to help more people. And her model was brilliant. So I said, so my first webinar was December 19th, long before America Mm -hmm. knew about COVID-19. So I had already started Mm -hmm. 
this process. I just feel like it was divine intervention that got me moving. You know, I met mm. Susan. She taught me about this and I got going in this direction. So I, it was already pushing myself. But every single time I was in front of the camera, mm -hmm. you know, you have to see yourself on Zoom. That is just awful. Right. It's so hard. Like in normal <laughs> conversation, you don't watch yourself while you're talking. This is so <laughs> it's the strangest yeah. thing. It is a transition. I know. And that's, this is what a lot of people have to overcome when it comes to Facebook live right. videos or, you know, just the element of having video. But um, I think the whole thing of having the mindset that, you know, you're talking directly to that avatar, right. so to speak, kind of helps you kind of put it more in. A it's so true. And I, you know? you know, every month I got a little bit better. Every webinar, I felt a little more comfortable. And then mm -hmm. I'm also in a, mm -hmm. um, a business networking group called BNI, Business Network International. So, oh yeah, I've I've been you have online. that is fantastic. Yeah. I've yes. been yeah, I'll send you the. He's awesome. He's a visionary, isn't I mean, he? I tell you. Yes. Well, our BNI meetings now are on Zoom, and I, I can't remember quite when we started, but mm -hmm. it's been a while now. So then I'm, I have B&I every week on Zoom. I have um, consultation groups with other therapists. And I just, you know, I think, uh, what is the expression? Necessity is the mother of invention. And at yeah. some point, I just decided to stop being your typical woman, feeling bad about how I look, criticizing myself, and just mm -hmm. offer my gifts to the world. Mm -hmm. And this is the medium that we have now. Mm -hmm. And it's. Mm -hmm. it's been trans transformational that. for me to actually you know just let go mm -hmm. and be me mm-hmm mm -hmm. and that is so key so you know this is something that um maybe with your background you could give people some uh tips on how to do that or certain things that we need to tell ourselves because the thing i think is so ironic is that we all have the same fears you know, we all have the same uh, mindset about what criticism we give ourselves about doing these live presentations, so to speak, or Zoom, Facebook, or whatever. And what was it that really kind of allowed you to just jump into the water, so to speak? I remember my, um, let's see, I would say in 2018, I jumped into the water of making a few videos about my business and when I got them back and it wasn't mm -hmm. cheap because I actually had a videographer and I got them back and I just mm -hmm. felt terrible about how I looked and the main thing this is what really bummed me out was that I looked disapproving angry or sad the whole time mm. now that was a real eye-opener for me because that, you know, I said already I'm in my 50s. Gravity takes its toll, right? So everything starts to get a little heavier in the muscles. And I was listening with my person I was on video with, my colleague. I was listening intently to her, but I didn't realize what my face looked like when I was listening intently. And I was in a big frown, which is kind of my natural, you know, way that the, the face hangs. So... 
that was a, mm -hmm. a wake up call. I don't even really like to use those videos. I always say my content's good, but it doesn't look great. <laughs> and I, so I started, mm -hmm. a mentor told me to watch newscasters like the today show, you know, the today show has two female co-anchors now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I would watch them because mm -hmm. one, when you're on camera talking, that's fine. That's you talking. It's when you're listening to the other person talk or thinking. And I realized I needed to actually engage my face a little bit and smile a bit. And do you know, this is mm -hmm. something from therapy that I've read many, many times, different studies that if you turn up the corners of your mouth, even if you don't feel it inside, it makes you happier. And so mm -hmm. I started making myself turn up the corners of my mouth whenever I possibly could think of it when I was on camera. And I think that has mm -hmm. created a, a shift in how I think about myself and about being on camera. I think it's not that I look better. It's that I feel better. Mm -hmm. mm. It, That's good. Yeah. You know, have I you ever heard that you're supposed important. to, you know, smile a hundred times a day or something, or every time you look in the mirror, smile at yourself or it's crazy that it works. In fact, while I was talking about, it, I started mm -hmm. um, smiling a little bit while we're talking and <laughs> it did make me, it brightened my day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let's get, let's get everyone so who's true. listening right now so to smile, no matter how you feel. The smile. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, that is really true because I think um, this is the element that allows mm -hmm. you to relax, you know, to have fun, to, um, and, you know, another question is, you know, you are, you mentioned that when you got it back, you look at yourself and you notice all these things. And I think also, um, why is it that we all look at the, surface things rather than what someone right. is saying in well, the message because you know some people may be listening to your message and they're like I don't even know what she's yeah. talking about you know what I mean I didn't get that from what she's saying so how what is it that uh well I think doing that one of the things I've noticed is that I almost never notice how other people look on their videos Right. I, I get their message mm -hmm. and um, often I think um, what an amazing job they're doing. And mm -hmm. I do think it's that we have a more critical eye toward ourselves, especially women. It's just kind of how our culture is. Uh, you know, I often say I, I wish I had a lot more man in me so I could just forge ahead and do what I need to do and not worry. Mm -hmm. But it's not the nature of, um, of woman. Mm -hmm. Our nature is to be looking at the whole big picture and noticing mm -hmm. things. That's how we can, mm -hmm. you know, keep our 15 kids together. <laughs> that would be you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I so know it's the, right. it's the worry. And I think for me, um, letting myself, Oh, the other piece I believe is feeling that my message is more important than my insecurity that I want to help people. I, it's, I have a very strong passion around mm -hmm. um, reaching out to this 20% of the population that are highly sensitive. And if I hold myself back, it's not hurting me. It's hurting all the people that I could be helping. Mm -hmm. 
And one of the traits of being mm-hmm. sensitive is a That's lot of good. empathy. And I do have a lot of empathy. And I, mm-hmm. I I've just was writing a, a new blog and I thought I was writing about how it's so easy for me to have empathy toward others. I have so much empathy for people in the world who are struggling. And, you know, right now, especially we're having societal trauma and my heart just breaks for people who are um, struggling in so many different ways around the world. And, but the, the real challenge is to turn that empathy toward myself. And I think when we can do that, then, you know, how you look on video doesn't really matter anymore. So true. And that's and that's a great point. Now, so this is key because a lot of people are in this space where they've been home, they've been um, quarantined, their lives have done a major shift in some cases, and, you know, they are feeling like they can add value to other people and they can, you know, share the message, so to speak. So what was it that changed in you to where you got to the point of overcoming that insecurity to share your message because I think that's what a lot of people may be stuck in is you know recognizing the help versus being quiet I think that there's a few pieces to this um, and I'm, I'm not quite sure what that one thing is but I think, again, just my desire to be of service to others. I have a, um, a young client, 16-year-old boy, and he, he and his family live in the same town where um, some friends of mine live, and I do all their grocery shopping. They're in their 70s. And I offered when this whole thing started to do their grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. And this young man is very, um, very withdrawn. He's, he has a pediatric neurological disorder and it makes it very hard for him to talk and um, to communicate with people and also he doesn't like to be seen Mm. and he's been delivering the groceries I buy them and he and his Mm -hmm. parents deliver them uh, every two weeks and yesterday when they delivered them uh, my friends had left flowers and a note saying how much they appreciate it And his mom sent me a photograph of him smiling really big for the camera. And she said it was the first time in years that he has smiled for a photograph. And he was holding the flowers that my friend had given him. And I sent it to my friend and she said, you know, that 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 just made her heart swell. And I said, mine too. And here's the here's the kicker to all of this. The underlying thing is that doing good deeds heals everybody, the doer and the receiver. And for me, I think that's the the key is that um, that desire to to help others, you know, and then it takes me and my ego out of it. And not that I'm egotistical, but, you know, just that that concern that so many of us have that we're not going to be right. good enough. And mm-hmm. I, I really do think that just the that idea when I really felt like I was reaching people and that I would help. In fact, another thing I did for the first six weeks of the shelter in place, three days a week from noon to one, I sat on my zoom on my computer and told anyone in business 
who would like to come and chat about what they need or how they're feeling, that they could do that. I called it Elaine Friends Open Office Hours. And, um, you know, even that wasn't a a big, huge thing. It was just, I'm going to be available to support you. And I'll tell you what, buying groceries for another family when you don't know where they're you know, the things on their list are very specific and you don't know what they are or where to find them. It's in the beginning, it's very tiring. And, but at the same time, you know, and they kept saying, Oh, you don't have to do it. We'll pay somebody to do it. And, um, and I, you know, it's tiring, but I love the opportunity to help somebody. And that help can be just a small thing. Mm -hmm. It it can be huge, but it doesn't have to be. Those small things Mm -hmm. are, they just improve our society, our planet, you know? So I think that's the thing that got me over the, over the hump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, we all struggle with that. You know, that's something that's across the board with the, everyone is getting that mm-hmm. ego out of the way. And we all have it, you know, and I think that's important to um, let everybody know. It's not that, you know, we're superhuman or anything. We all struggle with the same thing, but just that tiny little shift to recognize the value that we bring to other people can definitely kind of give us the courage to, you know, put our toe in the you water, know, when you, so to speak. And keep when you said that, forward. I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you so said that, you know, some people who took that out of context mm-hmm. might say that you're talking about being egotistical. You know, to understand that you have value to offer others. But see how it's actually the opposite. It's actually, you have to let go of, you know, any sort of concern about yourself to do it. And then in the, I don't know, it's a very interesting paradox to me Mm -hmm. that you have, you have value to give. That's not being egotistical. That's being open hearted and generous and good. Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing about it, though, is that, you know, you were thinking about a good deed, but it's still back to the things of our own mind that stop us from doing good deeds, which is the paradox. So just like you mentioned, you know, you have a great message, but you may not let that message go out because you're thinking, well, how does my hair look? Did I smile enough? Do I have on the right earrings? You see what I'm saying? That struggle is so real. You know what I mean? But we all go through that, right? So when you think about it like that, it's like, this is silly, you know, but it has been such a natural pathway that we think about. And really the thing that's even more profound is that there's no sign on your head while you're recording that saying, I'm afraid of, I don't have the right earrings on, or I'm afraid that, (laughs) you know, I'm looking like an idiot, right? That is nowhere in the picture. This is self-created. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) You must, right? You can laugh about that (laughs) now. So I come, I come from right. Oklahoma and um, I grew up on a um, farm in so, Oklahoma. So, you know, the, the women in my family are kind of tough. Mm-hmm. And my aunt said to me probably quite a while ago, but mm-hmm. I was old enough that it was pretty, oh, it was harsh. She said, look, this is the youngest you're ever going to be. So you better enjoy it. <laughs> I thought, 
It's true. <laughs> so true. This is true. I know. Every day we get older and older. I know. It's like, and it's amazing because I look at my kids and I feel young mm-hmm. and I feel, you know, relevant, current, and just to see them flourish and you know, I'm celebrating, you know, here in a couple of weeks, right. another child who's going to be 24, you know, and then it's like, they just keep aging. And it's like, wow, you know, right. I remember right. when I was 24. Okay, I'm not 24 anymore, you know. So reality does set in. So switching gears a little bit, talk to us about, you know, the summit and how you got connected with this um, so I, April Bonnie reached out to me and, um, my colleague Elaine Aaron. And because we do a lot of work, I especially work with families and parents of children who have this trait. I've been talking about highly sensitive children and highly sensitive people. And just the, Mm -hmm. the way, you know, if you, if you have a child or you are is, they think a lot. They process things really deeply. They become easily overstimulated or overwhelmed. They notice every little thing around them. This is the kid who noticed that you got your hair cut. And they, um, they have a strong emotional reaction to things around them and a lot of empathy. So the thing about these, these kids, and this is why April was interested in having highly sensitive families represented in the summit is that if they get good enough parenting and they're not made to feel ashamed of being more sensitive than their siblings or their classmates, they actually do better. They have less illness, less mental health issues. They're much less likely to have drug and alcohol problems. Just everything you could think that could go wrong as a child grows up it's much less likely to happen to a sensitive child. We call them orchids because they need a little special handling. And the 80% who are not sensitive, we call them dandelions. Mm. They are so resilient. You know, like dandelions can grow in a crack in the sidewalk. People walk on them and they still do well and look great, beautiful. Dandelions are beautiful, Mm -hmm. but they're plentiful and resilient. Mm -hmm. And orchids need a little special care. Mm And they're the ones who become, you know, philosophers and religious leaders and um, healers and artists and creatives. So we all need that, that part, that side of our um, population. But I think these children can be challenged mm-hmm. by family dinners. And just a little bit of tweak here and there. We talked, I talked about it with April in our summit a little tweak here and there can make all the difference for them. So we were eager to get involved and to sort of represent and talk about um, how families can support all the different temperaments of their children. I'm sure you have a wide variety in your family and you know, every kid's different. They always say you never get the same kid Mm -hmm. twice, right? Mm -hmm. So true. So true. Now, so this is really interesting. So, Give us an example of something that a highly sensitive family might approach uh, a family dinner uh, so as opposed to the, a those orchid children family. At, by the end of the day, if they've been at mm-hmm. school all day and running, running, running the way we keep our kids running these days, they're exhausted. 
They are done. They need downtime. So sitting down at the table for dinner and having a regular structured family dinner might result in them lasting five minutes and then having a tantrum or a meltdown. You know that child. And so an example of how one could help is this family could all sit together for breakfast or they could make sure that that child has time alone out in the yard, just decompressing from their day rather than being in the mix or being or having to do their homework and having a lot of pressure on them after school before dinner, if it's important for them to be able to be at dinner. Another um, thing that we talked about was maybe one dinner a week, the child who has the more finely, we call it a more finely tuned nervous system. They get to plan, every child gets to plan a dinner and maybe this child plans a dinner where everybody eats outside. And so it just shifts. It's not the pressure of sitting around the table. And I'll just disclose that I have this um, many sensitive people, not by any means a majority, but many have this issue called misophonia. And that is, you probably know somebody like this, everyone who's listening. It's those people who just Mm -hmm. can't stand mouth sounds and they can get so annoyed by certain sounds. It doesn't have to be mouth, like the bottles rattling in the back of the car or um, somebody tapping their fingers or somebody snapping their gum. These people just have such anxiety over it that it's really hard. And um, sometimes a sensitive child, and I did, have this issue. So sitting at the table with everybody making their eating sounds can cause them to really come unglued. (laughs) So... So what would it be like to put um, noise-canceling headphones on that child? <laughs> it's not something like none of us want headphones on our kids at the dinner table. Right. But right. it just is a matter of being creative and noticing the different needs of the of right. different um, temperaments in your household and um, and finding ways to make the family dinner work or to make connecting around the table work that's unique to each child. Mm-hmm. One of the things April and I discussed was this idea of everybody comes to the dinner for a certain amount that. of time and um, sits around the table. And then the younger child or the sensitive child or mm-hmm. whoever can't do it, that they can still be in the room, but doing something else, still be a part of the family, but not have to sit at the table. And I just have to correct myself for one moment. I want to say, I say all the time to my clients, you do have to train your children. They do have to live in the world. Right. So what they want to do is go to their room Mm -hmm. and get on their tablet or Mm -hmm. whatever they want to do or play with their Legos. And, you know, so the compromise is we'll stay at the table one more minute and you can go down on the floor and play with your Legos, but um, you'll stay in the room and participate in the conversation, that kind of thing. Mm, That's good. Yeah, and I, I like that element of, you know, this is what I call just right. living life through uh, experience, you know, because one of the things that we notice just with our schedule is that, you know, we, we try to have structure when we first got on lockdown. You know, our kids have to do school uh, from home. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, we're having school nine to two, that's it. You know, you're going to have breakfast, you're going to do this, and life happened where our kids couldn't sleep through the night, 
Right. You know, they would be up. Some of them had panic attacks or nightmares or whatever. And we just said, okay, you know what? It's important that we finish our day's assignments. So it doesn't matter what that looks like. So if we start school at 12 and we end at 4 or whatever that looked like or breaking it up during the day, you know, that's important to understand how life is happening to us you know, and how we're responding with that, as opposed to having this structure that doesn't bend and doesn't take into account the changes that are taking place around us. So I like that element of being able to allow the person to be who they are and experience what they're experiencing, but then having some kind of loose boundaries to kind of allow them the space that they need. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a dance, isn't it? As a, as a parent trying to figure out how to, you don't want to be just so relaxed and Mm -hmm. permissive that your children are wild animals and spoiled rotten on the one hand. And on the other hand, um, you don't want to be so rigid that they can't Mm -hmm. live and be themselves. And I think the research shows that parents tend to swing from too permissive to too strict if, if they're one or the other. Because all that permissiveness makes you got to lock down at some point. Mm-hmm. And really, it's authoritative. Mm-hmm. It's being in the middle is what mm-hmm. is the most effective and best for the children. So true. So true. So this is good. Well, I have definitely enjoyed this dialogue. This has definitely opened my eyes to a lot of uh, different perspectives, ways that we can uh, look at the situation. And that's all about learning and evolving and, you know, listening to understand rather than to respond. I mean, a number of things, you know, we can take away. Um, What is the best way for... Well, um, I'm on social media just like crazy. So I'm going to spell my name because it isn't easy. My name is A L A N E. Okay. So I would say a street, a road, a lane. And my last name is Friend, like a friend, but it's spelled the German way. So it's F R E U N D. And um, so you can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Those are my main okay. ones. And then to reach out and find out more about being highly sensitive and find out about my live webinars, that's website is are you highly sensitive.com all written out are you highly sensitive.com so i'd love to talk to people okay <laughs> okay well i so appreciate it yes and i mean i think that you brought up some great points and something for people to kind of uh think about you know as we um have this time to reflect i think this is so appropriate right now because some of these elements are things that would definitely continue to be unnoticed if we were still busy with the daily routines that we had prior to this time of lockdown, where a lot of these um, symptoms or just things that mm-hmm. we would notice, traits or characteristics would go unnoticed, you know, uh, covered with life's daily challenges. So. Uh, it's great to have you on and to share a different perspective and help I am to too. Thank you so much. Thing. I'm so, so enjoying I'm really glad that we were uh, able your to work connect. and all the things that you're offering to the world too.
what a great interview. I started to edit out the beginning, but I just thought it'd be important to show the element of connection, how we can take people who are strangers, who have never met, communicated, but how there is a connection based on being like-minded, focusing on a message that you want to share, and moving the ego out of the way. So I really enjoyed this dialogue and just wanted to include the entire organic recording. So I hope that you were taking notes and were able to see all the nuggets of wisdom and just the insight into uh, struggles that we all have. It doesn't matter what your profession is, uh, how many kids you have, you know, what your home life looks like. You know, we all struggle with a lot of the same uh, issues. So uh, I hope that this really uh, provided a lot of value for those who listened. And if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email me at info at lachelleadkins.com or you could reach out to me through Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, or my YouTube channel. So um, please just share this insight with friends, family, write a review. Um, It's all about us coming together during this time and helping each other uh, face some of the limiting beliefs that attack us all on a regular basis. So I thank you again for listening, and um, please, as I close this um, podcast, I encourage you to think of ways that you can overcome your own ego and things that you think about yourself um, you know, begin to put them on mute and continue to forge ahead doing those things that you are inspired to do and not being so critical and hard on yourself. That's all I have for today. Thanks again for listening.